this is a spoiler alert. This is a spoiler alert. Seriously, guys, if you haven't seen Infinity War, don't listen to this podcast, okay? Just trust me. Don't listen to it. Go see Infinity War and then listen to it later. All right, on for the show. Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel TV shows and film. Uh, we have a slightly different panel today. We have Adam, as usual. Say hi, Adam. Hi, Adam. Uh, <laughs> dad joke, I'm sorry. Where can they find you on Twitter, Adam? At Adam Barnhart. Uh, Barnhart spelled B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. And we have Chris Compendio with us. How are you, Chris? I'm great. I am uh, still covering, obviously, as most of us are. <laughs> and I'm Caleb. I'm on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, Borchers, B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. Chris, remind me, are you Compendiizer? I am at, at Compenderizer. Um, if you see my, uh, I changed my, my name. Chris Compendio wants your Infinity War hot take, so please DM me, because I'm so curious... I just, I'm like trying to gather the spectrum of reactions because I've gotten them from all over the place. I had a friend actually call me after they left the theater and ranted for, I believe, 23 straight minutes about how much they hated the movie. And that, that was an education. That was fascinating. So more like that. <laughs> I love the passion. Yeah, well, it's uh, obviously this week we are going to definitely talk Infinity War. And I think there have been a lot of different responses to it. And so I, it will be... Uh... It'll be interesting to see what's going on. We'll be unpacking it a bit today. Uh, Rhiannon's not with us, but she will be next week, so I'm sure we will talk to her about it as well. So uh, there'll be lots of reaction going around. But let's uh, quickly hit the news, which, like last week, will probably not be very filled because uh, we have not been online all week trying to avoid (laughs) spoilers. I'm going to start with the... uh, all the things that Kevin Feige said um, in the uh, publicity stuff that he did uh, leading up to the release of Infinity War. Obviously, people get a chance to talk to him and ask questions, and uh, he asks uh, answers a lot of different things. Uh, the first thing, which I thought was really interesting, um, he believes that we are going to be disappointed by the... Um, title of Avengers 4 so he was asked about uh, when we're going to find out what the name is and basically he said we didn't give Avenger 4 title ahead because we wanted people to focus on Infinity War and quote it sort of backfired if I'm honest with you because the notion was not to talk about it so the focus would be on Infinity War and the exact opposite has happened everybody's obsessing over what the fourth one will be um, now that you guys have seen Infinity War, do you have any further guesses about what that title will be? And uh, do you think Marvel made a mistake by uh, by by keeping this a secret and it kind of did not work the way they wanted it to? Yeah, I mean, I totally get what Feige meant. Um, I think they accidentally created this uh, mystique around the title that doesn't necessarily exist. Uh, I don't know if we're, like, jumping into spoiler territory already, but I will say on my part, it wasn't inherently obvious. Like, I think um, when they first announced that 
it will no longer be called part one, part two. I think we all kind of went, oh, it'll be solely, it'll be totally obvious what the next one will be called, like when this is done. And not so much. Not sure if you guys felt any differently about that. No, I, I didn't. Adam, do you think there's any obvious next steps? No idea. I had better idea before I watched Infinity War, but now that we saw it, I have no idea what Avengers 4 is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, particularly with this Feige quote now, I, I don't know, we had convinced ourselves that we were going to see that title and be like, whoa, you know, like it was going to blow our minds. And now I think it's just going to be something like Infinity War or Avengers Thanos or something. You know, like it's just going to be not that big of a deal and I'm not sure you know we always fall into this trap where we think that these comic titles are going to be like the comic books and they continue to do something very different and so I think I thought that maybe Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War would be some kind of roadmap to what they're doing and it really just wasn't that and so it's not like there's a next logical comic story to come you know I mean, to be fair to us, I mean, they did kind of play that game with the whole uh, Serpent Society thing, and then they, uh, they because they knew the word Civil War would be such a big deal when they did that big press conference, so um, I don't think it was unfair of us to kind of expect the same thing with this. Well, and they also, when they started doing publicity photos of Marcus and McFeely and the Russos, Right, they showed their table and they had like the giant thick Infinity Gauntlets, you know, Jim Starlin comic sitting on the table, and so, um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting the way they took it, and we'll we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, next on the questions was Feige was asked about the possibility of doing a Moon Knight movie, and uh, you know, it was kind of a generic answer, but he basically said. They've got a list of characters, and that list is kind of segregated by ones that are more urgent and less urgent, and Moon Knight is kind of on the more urgent side, was the sense that I got from the comments. Adam, you've been um, you've been looking for Moon Knight forever. Do you feel like it's closer, or is he just, he's just messing with us? It is not closer whatsoever. Here's We need to talk about this reporting stuff. All right, we, we saw... I'm not sure if it was Moon Knight or, or what it was, but with all these press tours, I mean, there were there were a handful of characters. Feige said the same stuff about Moon Knight. I think Man-Thing and Blade were other ones. And then even at Eternals, where they were all kind of lumped in the same group. He essentially said, yeah, those are cool characters that we would like to do something with someday. And then someone reported that like Moon Knight was in development. So, I mean what's in development exactly i mean to me you know they're actually doing it they're not i mean feige says all these characters are interesting we're not going to get all of those movies in the next two years you know i mean i don't know do i want to see a moon knight movie yeah i think so i I think it'd be i don't want to say better than a netflix show i mean the budget would be huge and they could do some they could actually do moon knight's spaceship type deal and and things like that but i i do think moon knight is more of a a netflix character especially if you're considering like the insanity and dark and grounded grittiness of him um but yeah i would pay bunches of money to see a moon knight movie yeah uh, i can't really speak much to moon knight itself since that's kind of 
out of my realm of knowledge. Um, I will say I keep hearing it. Uh, I hear all the discourse always kind of circling around, oh, it should be a Netflix show instead. But um, I think this kind of goes to show um, how much I actually appreciate that, you know, Marvel Studios kind of keeps these things close to the chest because when you look at, uh, say, the DC Warner Brothers side, um, you have everyone always making offhand comments like Dwayne Johnson's like, oh, yeah, we're making a Black Adam movie. And you hear uh, stories from the trades about, like, five different Joker movies coming out, which I don't believe will ever, I don't think any of them will ever come out. Um, so the fact that, you know, they're always kind of, Marvel's always kind of tight-lipped, I think just kind of managing our expectations a little better. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's just another example that, for the most part, these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. I I think that's true, and I, I've complained often that the DC stuff, you know, like, I don't know, they did like an investor's call where they were like, oh, hey, here's this slate of movies that, that never happened, you know? And so I, I don't think you want to get people overexcited. And I think you're right, Adam, that there's been, there is a lot of characters. Like the next thing on my list is Nova. He was asked if Nova's coming in. And he said, if we had a big board, uh, a big board with a bunch of characters that have more immediate potential, Nova is on that board because of the connection to the guardians universe, because there are more than one example to pull from in the comics. And you're right. He was in the earliest drafts of the guardians movie. That bit I hadn't heard before. I didn't know that like he was in the early drafts of guardians, which suggests to me gun took him out of guardians, which to me is not an argument that he's coming anytime soon. Cause I think gun kind of has control over the cosmic stuff. Wasn't Warlock in a draft, too? I think Adam Warlock was. I mean, Gunn loves that 2008 run, and that's essentially the movie team plus Mantis plus Nova and Warlock. I think Vance Astro. So it wouldn't surprise me if he put the whole team in the, in the original treatment or something. But I'd love to see like the script side by side to see what was in it. And then, you know, the final cut, just to see how much stuff changes. And, uh, I mean, Nicole Perlman, Perlman, I guess she must have written a draft before Gun got in. So that must have been a completely different beast altogether, I think. Another thing uh, that he was hitting on uh, when he was being asked all these questions, um, he uh, was talking about Spider-Man Homecoming and kind of repeated what we've heard, that Spider-Man Homecoming is going to have Spidey traveling around the world a little bit. Uh, and going to some other places in the globe. And then he confirmed that they have picked a villain um, and that that villain is going to play in with kind of this globe-trotting uh, kind of thing that they're doing in the movie, but did not reveal who it is. Uh, Chris, do you want to uh, hypothesize? Do you have any guesses who would uh, fit well for a Spidey movie where he's traveling the world? Ooh, I don't want to say too much that I'll regret uh, a year later. Uh, I will say I did not expect that element, seeing how um, in, in kind of the lead up to the first, I mean, their first Spider-Man movie, rather, um, they they kind of liked the approach of keeping it grounded, making like each movie like a different year of high school, a la Harry Potter or something like that. So I was totally not expecting, a, oh, he's going to go around the world. So... Um, seeing how they seem to not want to retread anything that the other two Spidey franchises had done, I would have to assume that it's a villain we haven't seen on screen yet. Um, I've seen a lot of, like, uh, I don't know, Craven the Hunter or, 
um, I don't know, Scorp. I mean, like they were kind of setting up um, Scorpion, weren't they? Um, so I don't know. Um, Spidey has just such a large rogues gallery, so I'm not really worried who they end up choosing. Um, I'm just really curious to see what that globe trotting plot will, especially like when. Um, they're talking about how this will be the first post Avengers 4 film. This will, like, get us back to the ground after all of that craziness. So, um, this is not what I was expecting from all that previous talk. You got a guess, Adam? No, uh, I was, yeah, no guesses. I was going to say, but how are they having a Spider Man sequel? <laughs> I didn't want to get into spoiler territory. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I've got a. I might just insert a spoiler warning at the beginning of the episode. So, because um, people know we're going to talk about we That's always our rule on this show is that, you know, we spoil. We're, we're going to spoil anything that's been released. So catch up on something before listening to the episode. So the more I hear this, um, I really think it's going to be Chameleon. I think that that just would work, you know, like. Peter does his trip to Europe with his class and it's some sort of espionage thing. And chameleon is kind of, uh, because Peter's got his spider sense. He's the only one that can tell that something's amiss. You know, I also think it'll let them double dip on, uh, some of their, uh, CGI stuff they're developing for captain Marvel and the scrolls. You just, you can use that same tech to, um, Maybe even, I don't know if they would do this. You could connect their origins to some degree. Like, you know, Chameleon starts as a villain because he gets Cree blood or Cree blood, uh, scroll blood in him or something. I mean, I just think there's a lot of connections there, but, um, you know, I, I've heard Craven and I, and I can get that, but I think Chameleon, a Russian spy, um, I think that that just kind of makes sense for that trip. So I, I I'm, I'm doubling down more on that, that thought. Um, I'd love to see Mysterio. I just don't know if that makes as much sense in this setup. So, I would have loved if my high school took me to Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's you know it's this fancy whatever the fancy yeah, tech school, school that he goes yeah. to or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adam had mentioned the Eternals. Um, Feige said Eternals is one of the many things that we are actively beginning to have creative discussions about. And to see if we believe in them enough to put them on a slate. Uh, I think that this does refute some of the rumors. Um, we're going to have to see if we believe in them enough to give them a movie is a far cry from they're working on it. They've greenlit it and they're going to announce it any day now. Right. Like those yeah. are very oh, you, different worlds. Yeah. You mean to tell me it's not in development, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that to me kind of did slow down the speed on on that situation. Isn't uh, isn't DC confirmed to be making a new Gods movie with uh, Ava DuVernay? I think yeah, because we're seems like we're just going bigger from here on out, which is nuts. Unbel- would not have believed this ten years ago. I was just gonna say it's really weird timing that this surfaced right like the week after DC announced New Gods. So I'm not sure if. That's how the rumor even surfaced. Because, I mean, it's no secret that they're talking about all sorts of characters, you know? Well, and I think part of the reason I didn't believe the rumor at first is it would be a very reactionary thing, which has not been Marvel's 
you know, Marvel's approach has not been, Oh, what's DC doing? We'll do something like it. You know, like, um, it does feel a little bit the, and that, you know, I know I'm a Marvel fanboy. You can hate on me, but you know, like <laughs> this is the way it feels when I see DC stuff is they're like, Oh, Marvel did that and it worked. We should try that. And Marvel has been very much the opposite. They've set their own thing. So this idea that Kevin Feige would hear about a new gods movie and start shaking in his boots and running to the <laughs> Eternals just never seemed real to me. Like that seemed a bizarre storyline and I, I didn't buy it. Uh, Feige also has said officially that they are skipping Comic-Con this year. Um, I think that really took us off guard. We were talking internally and the Russos, well, it was on our podcast last week. We talked about the Russos saying that the the title to Avengers four would not be in the end, you know, end credits of this movie. And all three of us like simultaneously like, Oh, San Diego is when they'll give it to us. And then like, I think before the podcast released, I think it was literally like we stopped recording. And then I saw the article, Kevin Feige says, Nope, we're not going to San Diego this year. There's no D 23 this year. Um, can Marvel really wait until Avengers four before they start? I mean, they have to start the production. I mean, Spider-Man homecoming is going to start production this summer. But they're going to have to start some wheels moving. We're going to get info about Guardians 3 or whatever else is coming out in 2020 soon, right? Yeah, you saying that just helped me. Like, uh, I just realized that there will probably be trailers for Spider-Man 2 before Avengers 4 comes out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it, I mean, wasn't their last, like, I always call it, like, the Apple esque press conference that they did when he's on stage um i i think that was very shortly before age of ultron was in theaters because i remember they showed like a preview clip of the farm so i i don't know um they have to do it earlier because they have to i mean when did the trailer for the one of the first trailer for infinity war come out that was that like october november i think yeah it was november i think it was november 3rd 28th or something like that i can't remember totally but yeah somewhere in that realm yeah i mean i get why they didn't put it in the end credits because that would that would have like gone out to the public at the premiere so um i don't know i i would be very surprised if they waited until like calendar 2019 to to like do a second one of those things um i think they would want us to digest i, I think even after ant-man and the wasp i think we're going to have to digest all of that first before they even start thinking about talking about that. So I would say I'm going to guess fall of this year. Um, I don't know if they said anything that contradicts that possibility, but uh, man, I'd be so surprised if they waited that long. And if they really want to go Apple, they can just do the press conference uh, the week before Avengers 4 comes out. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the time frames. If Guardians 3... All right, there's a lot of assumptions here, but if Guardians 3 is the May 2020 movie, which I think we all pretty much expect to be the case, and if it has a similar production schedule to Guardians 2, Gunn is going to be going to Atlanta in January or February, and they're going to start filming the movie in March. And so, I mean, Guardians is pretty easy because it'll be called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But, you know, usually they give you some kind of info and start that 
because nowadays, you know, it's it's kind of like the Shazam thing, right? If you want the public to get a good first perception of what you're doing, you put it out and you beat the paparazzi to the punch. Because if you don't, they'll they'll get pictures of stuff and they'll send it. And so, uh, you know, Guardians will start filming, I would think, early uh, 2019. And then whatever's filling out those other 2020 spots they're going to have to get writers to be working on the scripts here within the next, next six months, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm just, it's curious to see how they're going to play this game out. Um, and how much, how long they're going to be able to, to wait before they tell us more. So, uh, let's see some other little Feige things that I want to pick up. Um, he talked about a uh, Namor. Someone asked him about a Namor movie or him appearing in the MCU. And he said, I think there's, uh, a way to probably figure it out, but it does have, it's not as clean or clear as the majority of our characters. I feel like we've been around this a million times, Adam, as far as the rights on Namor, but it sounds like even Kevin Feige still isn't totally sure if they're allowed to use Namor or not. Yeah, I don't, That that's what I've been getting too. Um, Cause he was a universal character at one point. Um, I think Joe Casada said like two years ago that they were back at Marvel and a couple of other people I saw had said that they were back at Marvel, but Feige says that he doesn't know. Um, we kind of get into this uh, whole new gods, eternals type thing because Aquaman's on the horizon. So I, I mean, I'm not anticipating Namor anytime soon. I mean, maybe Black Panther too. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I don't know. It's just, uh, he's, he's, I mean, he's gotta be the oldest Marvel character, Marvel character to not appear in live action yet. Right. I mean, he was like, he was founded before cap and, and all that. So I don't know. He doesn't excite me. Yeah. I think this is like the 10th time I've heard some variation of this headline. I just, um, um, now this is an example where I don't get why they're keeping it close to the chest, but it sounds like it's because they straight up don't know. <laughs> so maybe they're like, oh, we, we know as much as you do. It's just such a weird legal anomaly. Um, because I, I, I keep questioning to myself every time I hear this is why can't they, why can't he just be like a Hulk-like supporting character? So yeah, like Black Panther 2, like we said, but, um. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Marvel would ever be too self-conscious about having Namor kind of front and center if, like, Aquaman were around because, you know, we've had two Quicksilvers and uh, I guess technically we're getting two Captain Marvel movies within a month next year, if you want. Like, <laughs> That's <quote> true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about all the Captain Marvels. That'll be fun. My suspicion is that Feige doesn't want to do Namor without the Fantastic Four. My guess is that in his brain, Namor is a Fantastic Four connected thing, which makes sense. There's a lot of history there. And so, I mean, I am totally speculating here, but the way that he's very nonchalant about this and isn't sure about the rights tells me that they're not rushing to do this. And it, it, to me, it brings up a significant question about his rights. I would have thought Namor had to be part of a Fantastic Four package. Like, let me put it this way. If I'm purchasing the Fantastic Four and I'm Fox, 
which I probably know more about comic books than the guys who made that deal. <laughs> I would not take Fantastic Four without also getting Inhumans and also getting Namor and Black Panther for that matter. You know, like I would have been a little more picky about the stuff that I got a hold of, given the history of those characters with um, with the uh, Fantastic Four. So, speaking of Black Panther two. Um, I saw a headline here that looks to be totally incorrect. It says Black Panther 2 won't happen without Ryan Coogler. I don't think that's what Feige said. Uh, what Feige did say is that they definitely want Coogler to come back and to do the second one. And uh, because they're not in a rush to announce things and you know, he flat out says we're not going to Comic-Con because we can't tell you what else is coming yet. Um, that, you know, it's that Coogler is a, an integral part of Black Panther. Um, for you guys, is this a non-negotiable? Do you want to see a Black Panther 2 if it's not a Ryan Coogler-directed Black Panther 2? So, my th- I as a big Fruitvale Station and Creed fan, um, I kind of I want Coogler to just keep doing his own thing. Um, kind of with, with the... Um, with the the capital that he now has from Black Panther, like I feel the same way about Taika. Like I kind of want them both to do their own personal, you know, non IP projects. Um, but there there is a point like you know, Coogler is was like very key to the success of that movie. Um, so I don't know if and this is kind of a compromise in between. I I would I would totally be okay if it was like. If he were like the co-writer or like story by Ryan Coogler, and if, if he had like a a part in handpicking a you know a new director, preferably a person of color, um, kind of put someone else on a platform, give that person a chance. Um, I think that would be a scenario with, with that would kind of work out for everyone. But uh, Ryan Coogler so hot right now. I don't blame Feige for wanting to lock him down. That was, see, that was another piece of news. So there was that Black Panther 2 won't happen without Coogler. And then right after that, um, the Russo brothers said something like the only three crew, MCU crew members they sent to were... Okay, let me start over. The only three crew, MCU people that they showed Infinity War to had to... Infinity War had to affect their next movie. And the Russo brothers flat out said that they showed Infinity War to James Gunn, John Watts, and Ryan Coogler. So, I mean, it seems that Coogler is directing Black Panther 2, but then these reports come out saying, ah, Black Panther 2 might not happen. So, I mean, it's hard to imagine. I would guess they pay Coogler whatever he wants to direct the movie. You know, he's someone you want on your side. Yeah, I mean, now I've been thinking about both the Russos and Coogler. I mean, at this point in their career, they're now billion dollar directors, you know, like there's not a lot of guys who have made a movie that made a billion dollars. And so, I mean, yeah, I want to see Coogler back because I think that he did the world building part like really, really well. And I think that's I think that's a hard thing to do. Like we've seen I mean, George Lucas did it really well once or twice. And then the further he went, the more he kind of like just dove it into the ground. And so, um, 
you know, I think another director might be able to direct a decent Black Panther movie, but I don't know if they'd be able to continue to create and deepen sort of this Wakanda, you know, mythos and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I would, I would definitely like to see him back. Uh, another piece of Feige news. I, it just keeps coming. I felt bad about this one cause it was a story that I'm pretty sure came from our buddies over at that hashtag show. Um, Feige was asked about a femme fatale being cast. We've been kind of talking about who is this? Is it spider woman? Is it black cat for the new, uh, homecoming sequel? And basically he's the quote was no, that was, um, that was a misleading minor casting search. None of those rumors are true at all. And so all of these grand conspiracies we had about black cat being introduced in homecoming, the sequel so that silver and black could, you know, then bring her into that movie, which by the way, after that was been delayed, I know they said it was just delayed for script reasons, have you heard a thing about Silver and Black in six months now? I mean, nope. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting to me. I feel like um, Feige was blowing some stuff up there. So, Any thoughts on this, uh, this Black Cat Femme Fatale denial stuff i mean uh i mean the rumor was based on something that was found right i mean i mean they, they put out casting calls all the time and you know they're keeping details under lockdown so obviously it's not exactly what you would see on the final page or on screen um i mean i think i saw um a, a story yesterday about Damon Lindelof's uh, Watchmen and the casting call was just like they were all for characters who <laughs> we did not expect in a Watchmen TV show so uh, Lindelof being like the lost guy and like you know keeping things in the mystery box um, so maybe like finding someone with those qualities that it might say in that casting call but not necessarily oh this is who the character is I think kind of makes sense especially when you're as secretive as Marvel Studios. Well, the other thing I thought was really interesting, what I, the exact language there was he said that that was a minor casting call. I'm almost wondering if there's just like, I don't know, a scene where, where Peter is at like a party and there's some girl who comes up to him and kind of like, you know, like uses some pickup lines on him and makes him really uncomfortable and then he bolts from the party and that's it. Like, it's like a comedic yeah. beat that they need an actress to do three lines of. And all of a sudden that became black cats and Spider-Man <laughs> homecoming too. You know, like I, that's, that's what it struck me as the Feige was like the, all the stammering from him almost seemed to be like, um, I mean, that's true, but that's not like, yes, we did a casting call like that, but that is not for what that was for, you know, like that, that was just, it was real off. All right, um, I'm going to hit up just a couple of other quick things. Um, oh, geez, I forgot about this altogether. We have gotten the first um, images of Samuel L. Jackson from Captain Marvel. And um, he's got hair and he's looking he's looking like he packs some weight. I mean, I am not one guy. I'm not the guy to say this, but he's not looking quite as trim as he did last time I saw him. So course there wasn't a whole lot to him the last time i saw him but um you know he was kind of what would you think of these set photos adam it's sammy j man um <laughs> <laughs> both eyes 
Um, a gun holster. He's he's looking like a uh, no leather in sight. I wonder uh, if we get to see him picked up the leather jacket or or what. But um, yeah, uh, those are those are my thoughts. Really, it's pretty exciting to see. I was uh, I keep seeing these set photos. I'm like, man, we're really getting a lot of uh, set photos of them running around on the street. So then I got to thinking, well, is this just going to be like a, a street-level thing? And then I'm like, well, duh, they're not going to have paparazzi in the set and things like that with green screens. But, yeah, it's, uh, man, Captain Marvel's coming out in February or March. I mean, it's here before we know it. We're going to see, what, I mean, August, September, we'll get a trailer? Yeah, I would, uh, well, I mean, it all depends so the best analog as far as release date was last year's Black Panther. And they pushed out a trailer for the NBA Finals in June. Now, I think that was a unique marketing opportunity mm. for a unique oh, for audience. Sure. So they might not do it as that fast, but it's possible that we could get one with Ant-Man and the Wasp. A Captain Marvel teaser with that movie. I think that's real possible. Uh, I was amazed that uh, they were able to use time travel and bring back Sam Jackson from the nineties. Uh, that's my way of saying that Sam Jackson has aged very well. Um, the, uh, for some reason, the two things I re- I was thinking about more than Sam Jackson himself from those photos was, uh, uh, number one, um, what will Coulson look like? Because I, I can't really, I, I don't think I've seen him from anything in the nineties. Um, not to mention like if assuming, I don't know, 90s Fury doesn't look very director-ish, so I'm kind of wondering what Coulson's role would be. Uh, Number two, just kind of like reading through all the comments, I'm like, oh, there's the green suit again. Uh, (laughs) Like, how long is she going to be in that one? Uh, So, you know, I to me, Sam Jackson still looking good in 2018 was not news to me. It was everything else around that. That does bring up a good point, so... Carol Danvers has the Cree suit, the teal and green Cree suit on when she's seen here with Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. But that would be that would be kind of later on in the movie, right? You would think I mean she's not meeting Fury before she gets the Cree suit. Well, she might, but you know, I mean, what I'm trying to say is, are we getting her traditional suit at all, or is it just you think it's just going to be the the teal and blue one for the most part of the movie? We're gonna get the original. We're gonna get the main suit, and I'll tell you why. Because Samuel L. Jackson in Infinity War, spoiler alert, uh-huh. has oh, a intergalactic point, beeper yeah. with a blue and red <laughs> suit on it. So, and uh, there was concept art of the uh, red and blue, right? Yeah. I loved how that art on the beeper looked like a Christmas sweater or it was like, it was like really, it looked like Groot's video game. Eh. Right. I think it'd be more high tech than Mm -hmm. Groot's video game. Yeah. We're general. What William Hurt is sending like full, like star Wars style, you know, like holograms (laughs) that like you can interact with and Fury's walking around with like something that's got like a graphing calculators, you know, yes, imagery on exactly. it. I did not understand yeah. that at all. I mean, I, I assume that'll be a moment in the actual Captain Marvel movie. Uh, I, I would hope so, or at least implied that there is something like that. Like, hey, in case you, 
beat me in case of apocalyptic event. Um, I get. I guess to be fair, they they must have made it in the '90s, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I th- they made that beeper back then. So I, I was with a bunch of people watching Infinity War, and they're they're a little bit on the younger side. They did not know what a pager was. <laughs> I had to ex- I had to explain them in the car what the the concept of a pager was. <laughs> I do well, think that that scene floated over some casual fans' heads. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As soon as the movie ended, there was a guy in our theater that like came out from the from the like from the movie theater was like there's a post credit scene stay for the whole movie or something and everybody like everybody was being a smart knock like go thanks pal we didn't know that was a marvel movie but, so then we waited for it and it happened and i thought i heard a couple of people like i waited for that you know like what was that i understand what, what's the point so all right, another. I, I don't want to miss some of this stuff, so let me do one more news thing. Um, we got the shortlist for Black Widow's director. So um, this was kind of buried in an article about the next Star Trek movie, um, hiring uh, potentially hiring a female director from Jessica Jones and the Defenders. Um, her name is S. J. Clarkson. Clarkson. Yeah. Yep. And at the bottom of it, it was talking more about other movies that are uh, working with female uh, filmmakers and talked about Ava DuVernay working with New Gods. And then there was a sentence, Marvel Studios has been looking for a director to break its glass ceiling with Black Widow and has been meeting with filmmakers such as Denise Gimze, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Denise Gimze Erguven, uh, who made a Turkish movie called Mustang, uh, Chloe Zhao, who did a movie called The Rider and Ama Asante, who did a movie called A United Kingdom, among several others. Um, I think that's interesting. It shows how far Black Widow is. Again, Black Widow is going to need to hire director, assuming that it's the July 2020 movie, which is, again, what we've been working on. They're going to have to hire a director in the next six months to get that thing moving in time. Uh, do you guys know any of these directors? Is it any interest to you or... So we can confidently say that Black Widow is in development, right? Yes, See, that's, that's okay. really in development. Yes. They're they, yeah. well, they they've hired a screenwriter. We know that mm-hmm. for, yeah. for Black Widow. So I mean, when's the last movie that? Because we still don't have confirmation. Did anyone even ask Feige about Black Widow on the press tour? I don't recall ever even seeing anything. Nothing that made headlines. I guess that's surprising. Is so. I mean, we still technically don't have confirmation, but uh, um, me being uh, a proud film snob and being like, Oh, yeah, I know who like Bowden and Fleck are, like, I've seen half Nelson, and I looked at this list and I was like, I drawn a blank right now, but uh, I am always for bringing new names into the game. Um, I would hope that they get someone who's kind of um, experienced with. Um, you know, like the espionage spy genre. Um, you know, I'm glad they just didn't get like, oh, the like, the dude who did like, um, what was that, Red Sparrow or like, uh, Lucy with that also had ScarJo. Like, um, they're they're really digging in deep, and I I think that has like look at their track record with indie directors. Like that has always worked out. So I I. In, in Feige, we trust, I guess, is what we always say. 
I mean, looking at like Taika, Taika only directed one feature length movie before Ragnarok, right? Uh, he he did a bunch, but they I think oh he did yeah I can yeah like boy uh, what we do in the shadows hunt for the wilder people um, yeah those are the only three I know but yeah yeah oh I only knew the wilder people yeah. oops <laughs> what we do, what we do in the shadows is like how I got people to watch this movie because everyone like people who are in love with that movie and couldn't I guess give less of a crap about the MCU like that's how I drew them in. So it's always nice, like, getting that overlap, I think. Yeah. Feige, I watched an interview where Feige said, Boy is the reason they hired him. Mm. And then Hunt for the Wilder People came out while they were in development on Thor Ragnarok. And everyone's like, whoa, you're such a genius to get him after <laughs> after Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. He's yeah. like, we liked him from something he made six years ago. You know, like, Hunt yeah. for the Wilder People is just, you know, it's it's just icing on the cake so we thought he was a uh we thought his uh brief role in green lantern was masterful we have to get <laughs> <Yeah>. this guy <laughs> he i think he also i forget if he directed any flight of the concords but i think he was involved in that show on hbo a little bit so yeah uh whether Jermaine. it was writing or whatever because he's he's mm-hmm. buddies with those guys so yeah all right, um, we're not going to talk about these two other news pieces I thought I'd mention real quick. Uh, Marcus and McFeely have shared, they're the writers of Infinity War, that they want to bring Machine Man to the MCU. I didn't know that was a character, so okay, that's interesting. Uh, also, um, at CinemaCon, um, Fox did some presentations of the movies that are coming up, and it appears that X-Men Dark Phoenix is just going to be entitled Dark Phoenix. I guess at this point we're just saving the X-Men brand. I mean, are we just convinced that this is going to be so terrible? We might as well not associate the name with the brand anymore. Uh, I, it's I don't know. I'm going to hate that movie. So let's just get it over <laughs> with. I mean, ugh. all right. Um, this is oh, there's so much stuff to talk about this week. Let's try to do this fast. Um, just two or three minutes at most from each of you on the Venom trailer. I don't. Ha- I don't even have. I don't have two minutes on the Venom trailer. It was all right. <laughs> I mean, I liked it better than the teaser. I'll admit that, but I think Venom looks weird. They should have let Tom Hardy keep his accent. I do not like his American accent. It sounds really off. I couldn't tell what accent that was. Like, I, I think I have a pretty good ear for regional accents in this country, and I was like, "Dude, what are you even saying?" Um. I know people are making uh they're having a hissy fit over um Jenny Slate's pronunciation of sim- oh, symbiotes. Yeah. Um but other than that I was like, yeah, that was an acceptable trailer. Um like the CGI for Venom looks okay. I don't know why he looks Spider-Man-ish when they I don't know if Spider-Man's here. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I will watch it out of obligation. I think that's just... I, I'm going to do the same thing with Dark Phoenix, probably. Um, expectations are really non-existent, but, like, sure. The trailer, well done. I liked the things shooting out of Tom Hardy. That looks okay. <laughs> See, that's interesting. That's the part I actually hated. Oh, yeah? I, I, I'm still... I don't know. Maybe I'm just... I seem to be crazy. Everybody else seemed to be okay with it. I did not like the the, the special effects. Like... Mm. Um, I never like 
when they do a Fantastic Four movie, I don't feel like Mr. Fantastic ever looks right either. Just, um, I, I guess some of it is, I think of Venom, I think of like somebody, I think of physicality, I think of the webs, I think of like kind of tendril stuff, but like, um, I don't know, using the symbiote to punch people in the face is just <laughs> not something that I think of. And this whole like, um, I don't know, it looked, maybe it was because I knew that they had to rush the trailer out because it got leaked that didn't help me. But I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't love the special effects. And yeah, Tom Hardy sounded like he was doing a Forrest Gump impersonation. It, <laughs> it seemed like he was purposefully speaking, like, kind of slow, like, particularly for a reporter who's supposed to be, like, really sharp. It just, it did not, it did not sound right to me. Yeah. I don't know. I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks terrible. So I did not. I, I hadn't heard a single person on Earth call it symbiote. I've lived my whole life thinking it was symbiote. But Caleb says that it's pronounced both ways. I've heard it both ways. That's all I'm saying. I couldn't care less, honestly. I thought that was, there are more things to complain that trailer over that one like, syllable, I think. Um, I don't know. I was, I was watching the... Um, I was watching the trailer in front of Infinity War, and... Uh, well, first of all, I was trying to figure out who, like, it, it, I don't know if the voice in Tom Hardy's head, if if that is, like, Tom Hardy's voice manipulated, or if it was someone else they got who I might be on the cast list, I don't know. Like, I was like, is that? Because I always think of Tony Todd as, like, the guy you always want to get for, like, a, a deeper voice or something like that. I was like, is that him? But I, I couldn't tell. Second thing is... Um, after he said we are venom at the very end i was sitting in the theater and i just go bum 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 and everyone in my row started cracking up uh and i was like okay shut up the movie's gonna start uh so. it was really weird at my screening we had the old trailer you know like i thought the new venom trailer would be in front of it and they showed us the old one the mri machine trailer and i was like this is a monumentally wasted opportunity so um yeah the other thing that is really annoying to me now i think adam we had had some hope we do we i don't know if we talked about this on the podcast that maybe spider-man would get some goop on his foot and then return to earth and infinity war so that there'd be like a spider-man connection and again for those who've seen infinity war Spider-Man is not bringing any symbiote home, at least not before November. He's not. So, um, that was the only thing I actually got spoiled with on infinity war was, um, I saw some like venom trailer breakdown videos. And I was like, Oh, I'll watch those. Those won't ruin infinity war. And people are like, well, we just saw infinity war. And now we're going to talk about venom. And it's kind of interesting. Cause we don't think there's going to be any connection with Spider-Man. I'm like, Oh, that means there's no connection in Infinity War, you know? Like, I was looking for it, so. Watch will bring, uh, it'll open up a whole new can of worms if John Schneff's theory that Tom Holland is in Venom. You know, I mean, if Peter Parker's in Venom, when the hell does it take place? Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! I mean, Eight I years later, continuity <laughs> in Spider-Man <laughs> movies. <laughs> We missed that. I remember Chris hates that. You missed last week when we talked about the Russos being like, yep, we screwed up. Sorry. 
Yeah, I mean, didn't I? I, I don't want to skip ahead, but didn't uh, Tony Stark straight up say, "Oh, that was six years ago." <laughs> uh, on, did man. you guys see the Luke, the Luke Cage teaser thing this week? Oh, I, I missed. He did I, like an NFL draft thing. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What a was terrible the, yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. Explain this to me. I was on the road with with no signal. I did not see this. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. So. Netflix put out like a little thing with the NFL draft and it was like Luke Cage like doing like NFL combine like workouts and they had Jameel Hill and Michael Smith from the Sports Centers the Six which doesn't exist anymore I'm sure it did when they filmed it uh-huh. um like doing like color commentary on like oh look at him push that tire around and my whole thing was the problem with Luke Cage season one is it started as a cool crime drama with, you know, politicians and organized crooks and, you know, gun deals and all that kind of stuff. And it ended on like, you know, shellfish DNA. <laughs> he's alive. Frankenstein, <laughs> like diamondback comic-y weird cartoony uh. garbage. Right. And so you're going to come back into the show and the way you're going to like promote it is by Luke Cage throwing around tires on a football field, like (laughs) being a net, like to me, it just said, we didn't learn our lesson. We're still going to do weird corny garbage on the show. And I just thought it was very tone deaf and dumb and I don't know why they did it. Are are you telling me that Netflix and NFL is not the most ambitious crossover event in history? (laughs) (laughs) I think I think they were probably trying to get in on the uh, Black Panther marketing magic, yeah. but it worked zero because I didn't see a single person talk about it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, also they dropped it a day before Infinity War the draft. Like, yeah, hello. <laughs> I was wondering if the NFL. This is a side. Note. I wonder if the NFL hated the Infinity War moved up. Do you think it killed the, the ratings for the night? draft? I don't. I could. I don't know. The ratings for NFL has been bad, so I couldn't imagine it. I don't know. All right. Uh, we usually do TV. This episode is going to be so long. All right. We usually do TV reviews. <laughs> we'll be real fast. Did you see Legion and did you like it or not? Nope. Didn't see it? I did see it. I liked it. <laughs> did you say it was, it was different? I liked it. <laughs> did you not see it, Adam? I didn't. Okay. Don't worry about I it. I can probably guess what happened. Yeah, I could probably guess what happened. <laughs> no, oh, no, you may not this time. Go ahead. Let's give it a go. What happened this time? No, I was, I, I was just being a smartass, man. I don't know. He played some weird mind acid trip type stuff, <laughs> and then a dance off, and then maybe some more plugging of audio Jackson holes, probably. That's bold, bold prediction. So it was weird. It was a bottle episode. It was all about. Um, I don't even remember her name. The girl. Sid. What's that? Sid. Sid. Yeah, Sydney. It was all about how Sydney grew up. It was like Sydney as a kid. Sydney as a teenager. There is a scene Origin story. that is totally horrifying. Like if it really happened to you in real life, it would be the worst thing ever. Oh. But yeah. um I'll let you be horrified later, Adam. But yeah, it's um Okay. I, I didn't I didn't love it. And the thing was, like they meant to like give like define like mean like meaning to who Sydney is. And I was like, 
this is just they're trying too hard i don't know i was not a big fan so um it was different but it wasn't the plot went absolutely nowhere like it was totally a character development kind of thing to me uh, I mean, speaking as one of the bigger Legion, Legion fans out there, I've never thought the plot of the show ever went anywhere. <laughs> um, so I I enjoyed it as someone who I, I felt that I did not know enough about Sid in the first place. So um, I didn't really mind this detour. I mean, it's it's Legion. It takes this show takes many detours. Um, fun fact: the actress for Sid uh, went to my college the same time I was there. So. Well, I never met her personally. I know people who do know her. Um, so it's it was nice seeing her kind of get the spotlight there, I think. All right. There we go. We handled Legion very quickly. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, gee, it's been a big week. It really has been. Graviton. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think they're even giving him. Did you see the preview for next week? I think they're actually giving him a costume. Same yes. exact, yeah, oh, the God. same exact costume. He's just missing the longer hair, I think. Yes, from side by side. He's got he's got the uh, little goatee going on, <laughs> and he even has like the three red dotted suit. Oh man, finally, about time. Yeah, just seeing everyone on Reddit, everyone was just like, "How did we not see this before?" With the facial hair and everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I. At no point while watching this show in, like, the past few months, I would never have said, oh, yeah, Talbot has to be the key to all of this. Uh, so that was, as a as a fan of the Talbot character, I was uh, quite shocked, but uh, I was certainly <laughs> grabbed by this absurd development. <laughs> um, oh, wait, wait, I don't want to, like, skip around, but, like... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Gary Busey's son. Uh, the uh, that's the only only, only thing the I call him. Man. Uh, he, yeah, he kept he <laughs> he mentioned. Oh, uh, do you see what's happening in New York right yeah. now? In a Daisy? <laughs> Did yeah. we are we clear on what that was? Or because I couldn't. So I I was I kept the I kept thinking like if did the uh, release date being moved up mess up Shield a bit? So I don't know how you guys interpreted that line. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. I mean, it was a mention that I think it was just like an up close of a shot. So they probably like move the date up and they're like, hey, Gary Busey Jr., come here. <laughs> we have to film something. But uh, mm. I mean, that's probably the crossover we're get, right? That that was just pure fan service. That's all that was. Well, and I love that her answer is like, oh, I don't check my cell phone much. You know, like, <laughs> oh, OK, that's convenient. It does bother me a little bit that Nick Fury knows that there was heat signature issues from alien contact in New York and Wakanda, but he didn't mention a third one wherever agents of shield are right. When he talks to Hill in infinity war, they're monitoring aliens. He should have said there's three. There was Wakanda. I mean, he shouldn't have because the movie audience would be like, what's the third one? I don't understand. You know, like it would have been terrible. But, um, you know, it's just proof that these shows do not exist in Kevin Feige's mind at all. The the illusion of continuity and connections, it's all facade. And I've, I've accepted that a long time ago. Did you like the designs of the uh, aliens that were in this uh, as they were sieging the base? Um, I could have sworn like, their faces looked very Dark Knight Rises Bane esque 
from what I remember. Um, and they're like, they they had they had an interesting way of movement. Um, but I don't know. I couldn't tell if they're just like brutes or assassins because they're like usually killing these red shirts like in the shadows. And I didn't really get a good grasp on who like what the thing with these guys were. I was just like, okay, they're the aliens. Just shoot them. Yeah, but don't because apparently they're bulletproof for no good reason. I didn't. That it didn't make any sense. They're like, oh, they don't, they don't really die when you shoot them. I'm like, what are they made out of? You know, like they should still be organic. Like, get the, even get the, the fire extinguisher. That'll get them. Like well, <laughs> that little beat and there. And the Cree, was, uh... the Cree, like take bullets, right? Like earlier in the season, we established you can shoot a Cree to death, but apparently these guys you can't. Like it just seemed to be very de- Dusex Machina kind of storytelling. You know, like just do whatever works for the moment. Do you remember the name of the species? Because I don't recall. They called him Marauders. Right? Marauders, yeah. Okay. He said something. I don't know who the Federation guy is, but he called him the Blank Marauders. He said something before Marauders, Marauders, but I'm not. I do not recall. Yeah, I guess the fact that it's not uh, ring a bell. I don't think it's that important in the uh, yeah. larger lore. I guess. I was wondering for a second. Um, doesn't Wolverine deal with Marauders? Isn't that like, like who's the tank guy that's got tank for a uh, tank for legs, and a, tank a human body? Yeah, like, <laughs> um, and Lady Deathstroke. The weird thing to me was when they started talking about them having spikes or like, like um, fingers that were like razors. I was thinking Lady. It sounds like Lady Deathstrike, and she hung out with a group that I thought were the Marauders. So, I was. Uh, thinking that we had a weird X-Men crossover all of a sudden, it seems. Um, do you guys like where it seems like they're taking us? Or, I mean, because we talked about how last season kind of finished a second story arc, and this is the final one. Do you like where it's going? I think this past, this episode was a lot better. It's been the past couple of weeks. Um, I mean, with, we didn't see Talbot go crazy really it seemed like it cured his craziness almost ruby got eight percent of it and she went crazy you know and then he gets a hundred percent of the juice you know i don't know i mean he was already crazy before this uh not only the head injury but the brainwashing so in a way either he was already too used to it or it was just kind of like canceled out but either of those explanations i'm i guess okay with he seems a lot. He seems very lucid in that preview for the next episode. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, does he still have his Hydra programming? You think so? If he, if someone tells him to comply, is Graviton gonna be a Hydra agent now or what? Yeah, I, su- I assume that'll be like the first thing they try since Hale is there. But uh, I don't think that'll work out. Yeah, I, I'm still. I'm really hoping this connects with the beginning of the season and. Cassius, and like there was kind of this thing where it like it looked like they were going to show us a version of the events and how it went down and then we were going to like see it from a different perspective and it was going to twist everything around like it looked like the season was pretty intricately put together and now there's a spaceship with a different set of aliens with different powers that are not connected and i just i, I i'm a little concerned the season's going to feel disjointed at the end like it was very much a TV written like, and then, and then, and then. Yeah, I think um, I'm expecting it to eventually 
get back on that loop that those um what was that episode called the last day um when you know, the one with old robin and you kind of flash back to like before that so I'm, I'm wondering if it's gonna link back to that eventually um because it did everything did seem a little contrived i was like oh okay now they're okay with fitz and simmons and kind of yo-yo right now um just kind of like like daisy and fitz were standing in the same room and there was no ugliness there which i was very surprised about um and as as interesting of a concept as Talbot being Graviton is, um, the solution, just like the moment of him going into the machine and and just become like I that felt very easy to me, but I don't know, I guess I'll forgive it if this all works out by the end. Um but yeah, I was like this is a very late stage game changer, which is, you know, Shield being the crazy show that it is that that's on brand. Um, so yeah, I think they'll stick the landing. Um, the fact that there were so many callbacks to this episode, there was, uh, oh, got Centipede and Jiang, um, like after getting like, yeah, after getting, uh, like, you know, Ian Quinn back for a set for a hot second, a couple episodes ago. Um, it's, it's, it sounds like, um, you know, I think of, like, the last season of Lost, which, like, brought so many things back to, like, signify, like, yeah, we're wrapping up, so, like, let's, let's use all the tools we got. Which makes me almost want this to be canceled. You know, like, I just feel like they're writing it. Um, recently, I went back and watched Community, and that show suffered from, they sort of brought it to a close, and then they got another season, and they had to, like, reopen... And then they had to sort of bring it to a close and then they got another season. And so like the show is being artificially closed up and reopened all the time, sort of like thematically or whatever. And I'm kind of feeling with shield, particularly with these plot elements. Yeah. Let's bring it all out. Let's bring it all full circle and then let's be done. Cause I almost feel like they're going to have to start all over from scratch if they got renewed at this point, you know? Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about community, uh, but I will say, I thought, the like that the last last final episode was really the best way to wrap it up i think a more accurate comparison would be futurama because they kept making multiple season finales uh not thinking if they'll ever get renewed uh so i don't know um i guess that all depends on what happens with avengers 4 because you know if there were to be another season like that's where it would be interesting if shield wrapped up the same time that like current mcu would wrap up um that being said um without jumping into the infinity war discussion yet i don't know when in avengers 4 takes place i don't i seriously doubt it'll take like a full year after infinity war um so if that were to like take place right after infinity war that would probably mess up a shield season 6 chronologically I totally see why Marcus McFeely said we don't envy the TV showrunners for having to deal with this. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Infinity War, we should probably talk about it before we end the podcast. So, um, I don't even know where to start. So, I mean, it's here. <laughs> We've seen it. Um, All right, let's let's. Yeah. Wait, what are we talking about? No. <laughs> Let's talk about our death pool real quick. I think Rhiannon and I tied with three. I think you got two, Adam. 
I thought I got you got one. two. No, I counted up. I think I got one. I can't even remember. You who got it was. Um, Scarlet Witch, and uh, oh, and Drax. You had Drax. Yeah. So, uh, I had I had a different Deadpool going on with my own crew. Um, with the rules being a little different, so it was actually um, who do you think the first person to die will be? Uh, and uh, and and no one no one no one guessed Heimdall. So, um, uh, I was one of three people who said Loki. Um, so uh, I got I got a Venmo for fifteen bucks yesterday <laughs> nice. and uh, got a nice lunch out of that. So uh, thanks, Loki. Uh, <laughs> Rest in paradise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, let's talk about the deaths. Uh, I mean, let's, let's just start at the, yeah, the depressing part. At the end, Thanos succeeds. He does the snap, kills 50% of the universe. Um, and I'll, I think the thing that was really weird, and I'm interested in your guys' take, we all assumed they would kill the OG guys and we'd be left with, the new characters to take on the mantle and they did the exact opposite. I mean, we, nobody picked in our pool. We didn't even bother with Spider-Man or with Black Panther. <laughs> Black like, Panther. They're not killing those yeah. guys. The franchise potential right. uh, and characters. So, <laughs> and, and so what we ended up with was essentially the original six and rocket, you know, like as the only people left did you like that? Did you not like it? What did you think about kind of who went? Outside of Tom Holland's acting performance, that final disintegration scene, that we'll call it, it really didn't move the needle for me. You know, I'm like, oh man, they're killing these people. Then all of a sudden Black Panther went away and I'm like, oh, so wait, never mind. And then Doctor Strange died and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it just, it didn't, it didn't feel, I wasn't affected by it as much as other people were. Because I think casual movie people and people that don't know that there's actually Black Panther 2 and more than likely Doctor Strange 2 and obviously Spider-Man 2, you know, it just felt kind of weird that they, they killed them off when we know they're coming back. Whereas, I mean, if they would have killed Cap or Iron Man, one would have thought, well, that makes sense. You know, that's sad because he won't come back. But um, I mean, I think it does. In it, it does set up. Um, you know, everyone's saying, "Oh, that means the OG Avengers will have to kind of save the day, probably at the cost of some, most, all of their lives." And I think, like in my head, that makes for a better. This is the end of the current MCU story. Um, with the actual. Uh, dis- disintegration scene at the end. It it felt more like a, you know, in the moment like shock value, but like still effective way. So like just think about all the people who got into Black Panther. Like this was a cultural phenomenon, and then to see him like reach out for Okoye, and we're all like, oh no, Okoye is gonna die. We love her, and then oh no, it's even worse to Charles <laughs> Scott. And, um, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to call out Izzy too much. The um newly minted contributor to the site but she was sitting on my left um and tom holland actually like broke her and the funny thing with izzy is like i saw her 
reach into her bag for like a, for for tissues. She's like, okay, she was ready for this. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think I think it was Bucky who was the first one to go in that whole sequence. And like, I'm a huge Bucky fan, so I was like, wait, wait, no, this isn't actually happening. So even like, you know, an hour later, I'd be like, oh no, they'll be back because they're all gonna they have to be back for money reasons. Um, in the moment, it definitely got me, and I think, um, I don't think it's that good of criticism to say, to say, oh, it, it wasn't, to, to kind of say, oh, that doesn't matter because they'll be back anyway. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in Avengers 4. I mean, like, probably will be back, but not, it, I, they know that there have to be stakes, like, Marvel Studios. They know that um, someone's got to go, and in retrospect, I I think um, you know getting rid of Tony and Steve and like everyone in what feels like the penultimate chapter. I don't think that'll make that much sense. Um, so I I see what they're doing now, but I am uh, my my parents are watching this movie tonight. Uh, my dad hates TV shows and movies where the bad guy wins. He hates Game of Thrones for that reason. Um, I am expecting a very angry text message yeah. from him tonight. <laughs> no, I mean, I was amazed in our theater. So, I, I mean, I can see where you're talking, Adam. I, I don't, I didn't feel super emotionally invested in those deaths because I know that they're probably going to come back. Uh, I think that if they make it still have a cost, I think they did this great with Coulson. When they brought Coulson back, it wasn't at zero cost. Like, it changed him, and he still suffered from it. So I think that you want to bring these guys back and let them feel it somehow. Kind of like in the comics when they did House of M, and they had this other life, and they got their original life back, but they still remember. Or in S.H.I.E.L.D., where they went to the framework, and they remember the framework when they get back. I think they need to make these characters remember what it felt like to disintegrate and disappear. Um, that being said, um, there were people in my theater who were flat out screaming at the sea, like at the, at the scene, <laughs> like when some of Same, those people yeah. started to disappear, I, there were audible, no, no, you can't do that. Like, <laughs> you know, like there were people yelling in the movie theater and when the final credits hit and it was that minimalist credits, there was no CGI. There was no animation. It was just white letters on a black screen. Like there was this palpable sense in the theater, like, holy crap, what did they just do? You know, um, I think that for the average person that watched that movie, it was very deeply affecting and they don't know what to do with it. I'm I'm suspicious it's going to hurt their box office. I think there's some people who are not going to rewatch this because it was too traumatic or they just don't want to, you know, see it again because they're upset about it, you know? Someone during the credits in my screening, um, instead of, like, yelling about the characters, when the credits started rolling, he stood up. He just, he did this to the screen. He, like, put his arms out and he said, they just got rid of billions of dollars. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> And I was like, uh, sit down, dude. Um, but, uh, I, that, the credits, I thought, 
really stuck with me in a way that I did. Because I remember, like, years ago when Infinity War was announced, um, people were like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if this just ended with, like, Thanos, like, murdering Cap, like, smash to black, no music with the credits, just black and white, and then, like, no post-credits. Um, and, like, this exact this wasn't exactly that, but it was, um, it was still a bold, artistic move to do that. Um, especially, especially when the main credits end, so like with Avengers Infinity War, when the words disintegrate, everyone just kind of, everyone just kind of went, oh, like it just, everyone was just sad <laughs> during that moment. And then you get like two or three or four seconds of silence because that's when we expect the mid credit scene. And then the music kept going, the credits kept going. Everyone went, oh, like after that. Like, and I was like, those I don't want to curse. Those those people <laughs> at Marvel Studios, they know what they're doing. And they they know the mental model. They know the mindset of the audience members. And they played with that so well. <laughs> yeah. It was good. So I'm trying to think about some questions. I mean, there's so much to, like, unpack or to potentially review. Um, Let me ask this question. So did this feel like a movie to you? Like, the real danger here would be that there's way too much, you know, there's so many storylines, there's so many characters. Do you feel like they managed to keep the thing held together well as, like, a meaningful narrative? Or was it, or like, how did they deal with kind of reining in so many things going in so many directions? If, I know if Infinity War was my first ever Marvel movie, and if I, if I kind of knew of the characters, you know, I, I don't think I would have liked it. I'm not I'm not sure I would have, because right from the beginning, I mean, it's two and a half hours of nonstop stuff. You know, it was it was made for the people who've watched every single movie and for the those who podcast about it and blog and and all that stuff. You know, um, I I just it's hard to I mean the characters were balanced. It, it was. Every single time, I'm like, oh, man, it's it's been a while since we've seen Doctor Strange. I mean, we saw Doctor Strange that next scene. Oh, man, we haven't seen Thor and his hammer and, and all that stuff. You know, we get them. So it, it was balanced, but that was just a lot of stuff going on. I, at least for me, it's hard to imagine walking in Infinity War not knowing a single one of the characters. You know, I, I, I it's hard to believe they would have enjoyed it, you know? Yeah, I just walked into the middle of Return of the King, and I didn't know who these people were, <laughs> and uh, what's going on. It's like, yeah. um, so, you know, and I, I wrote about this in my review for the site. I mean, they, they kept citing uh, Robert Alpin's Nashville, which I admit I haven't seen. I don't really have three hours in my calendar for that. Um, but I my mind um, kept going to two other examples. I thought of... Um, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia and Cloud Atlas, um, because those are like you know three hour long epics with like different storylines going on at the same time, and the thing that made those movies work was was that you know everything was happening in parallel, like there were thematic connections to all the different storylines that they were going through, and uh, I guess in the case of uh, Magnolia or like a Nashville type movie, like. It's all happening in the same, in a similar location. So when you get to Infinity War, um, you're switching between um, everyone's going on their own journey. And 
you know, it's a challenge. Like it's it's hard to do this movie, but it it didn't it wasn't exactly as parallel as those other examples that I cited. So, you know, I don't I didn't feel that Thor going to make a, a new weapon with Peter Dinklage had I, I didn't see a link with you know the Earthbound stuff happening with uh, with Cap's team. Um, so instead of you know like instead of you know what you were thinking adam when you're like oh i haven't seen doctor strange in a while oh there he is to me it was um oh doctor strange is here i totally forgot about him <laughs> um because you know it it felt like you're you're switching around and um i think it worked at first um because i think each sequence ended when they needed to um my problem was when um all the different climaxes of Wakanda and Titan were kind of massed together. So like when he when he throws a moon down, you want to see what happens right after that. Uh, and then we kind of come back to Wakanda. And I think that that kind of messed up the rhythm for it. So I don't hope this was avoidable because again, like this this movie is a beast. Like nothing has really been made like this. So um I don't know if there is a better version of this movie that could have existed. You know, maybe it just comes with those flaws. Um, but me, like, you know, we're all in the know. We all know how these previous movies set it up, so we all are in tune with what's what's happening. Um, but yeah, it was. I I really the reason I'm asking people for their Infinity War hot takes is because I just want to know what people with different experiences think of this movie. Because I have some friends who have seen every single MCU film, but they're not as, like, into this as we are. Um, my friend who ranted 23 minutes, um, like, likes some of the movies, hates some of the movies, like, is just going there as, like, you know, them being, like, a story writer, just going in with that perspective. So my friend's criticism was that, oh, it kind of um, was not in sync with how the Guardians or with how Thor developed in those previous movies. So, uh, not much from a fandom per perspective, but from, like, a screenwriting perspective. Um, I think because there's never been anything like this before, I, I'm so curious to see what the fallout will be in the coming weeks, because... That's it's, it's, a it's really movie, interesting man. to me because I actually... <laughs> and that's my final I one. I loved it for the exact <laughs> yeah. opposite... Like, I just totally have an opposite <laughs> opinion of that friend... I thought the way the Russos picked up the storylines from other movies and continued them was incredible. I think the, the Hulk stuff about if I become the Hulk again, I'll never stop. And then, and then all of a sudden then Hulk is gone and he won't come back. And Banner's like, I thought I was afraid that I would never come back like I would never come back but now you're never coming back and what is what does that mean like why is that working and I thought um Rocket the development of Rocket and Guardians 2 of pushing people away and always mistreating people and then in this and then at the end of that movie he gets to the point where he's like it's okay to be vulnerable with somebody and then he sees Thor there hurting and he's like Oh, this is that moment where I've got to be the guy who takes somebody else's emotion on. I thought that was a perfect continuation of, of that storyline. Um, you know, I think that Quill's response to Gamora is deeply rooted in his mom and ego and everything that went on with that. 
and um her response you know nebula's response to thanos and you know there's all these layers of his response to ego and how those things like put on top of each other i thought that was really good and i thought um I, i thought even the doctor strange stuff like this continuing um you know, he went from being self-absorbed to being selfless, but he was still kind of alone. And then now in this movie, he's like, no, you don't understand. My mission is what matters. I will give up this stone. I will let you guys die long before I give this stone up. And then you see him sort of learn to trust the other. I just, I just thought there was lots of great through lines from the other movies. And I, I, I thought that the Russos did an incredible job of sitting down with each of those directors uh, the the Tony Peter relationship I thought just continued right on from where it was in Homecoming, and so I I thought it was really interesting. You could tell that they sat down with the director, that they sat down with Taika, and they said, "Okay, what were you trying to do with Thor and Hulk so that we can continue it?" Now they did undo most of what Taika did, killing Asgard and uh, giving him his eye back and all those things. But um, generally speaking, I thought that stuff flowed well. Yeah, I think my my friend's criticism with the uh, the weapon quest was that um, like he he finds a power within himself and oh, but now he's just gonna forge a massive weapon of destruction. You know, Peter Dinklage is gonna punch some metal and then now you're gonna be a god killer again. <laughs> uh, and I I understood that point. I uh, I don't know. I I might grab that friend and we might do our own pod sometime <laughs> if you wanna hear the 23 minute long rant uh (laughs) i will say this the i can't believe i enjoyed drax more in this movie than the james gunn movies i mean drax was way funnier in this one than either guardians movie why is gamora (laughs) yes that part and then the zarg nut eating scene i i was on the floor laughing i like how is this so funny? <laughs> you know, I did talking about Rocket's character development. I loved one of my favorite lines of the whole movie was that he was sitting there and he sighed and he's like, guess it's time to be the captain now or whatever. I really like that part. Um, I, I thought Tony and uh, Stephen Strange had a really, because I, I wasn't into, Oh, it was like, Oh, they're, they're arguing because we need to have that kind of dynamic in the movie. But the look that they give each other at their very last scene, you know, when he's like, this is the end game, this was the only way, um, really carried a lot. I, it's hard for me to verbalize it, but it just felt very heavy, just the look that they give. Because you, you know exactly what both of them are thinking without them saying anything, especially through their, you know, I guess, brief journey together here. Um, but it just it just goes to show how efficient... You know the Russos and Marcus McFeely can be with um, with storytelling with like a with a small amount of screen time. That being said, um, I didn't really extrapolate a lot of that from say like anything that Cap did or uh, like his whole his whole crew of Cap, Falcon, Rhodey, and uh, Natasha. Um, and I was like, wait, these are the Cap people. Like I would have thought they would have given them priority. Uh, but besides this kind of aside about, you know, Vision talking about sacrifice, which I assume will come into play 
in 4 and like definitely came into play like that's how they linked that with Thanos thematically and like Scarlet Witch's uh with Wanda's uh moment at the end um but I don't know Steve just kind of looked at him and was like yeah whatever man we're still gonna save you <laughs> um so I don't I it felt like uh, it was balanced, but some people got the shaft. Yeah, I think, I think the Russos tried to prep us for that, though. They said ahead of time, the people who don't get enough... If you walk out of the theater feeling like people didn't get enough time in this movie, they'll get more in the next one. So Hawkeye will be the star of the next one, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Ant-Man's gonna yeah. be... I think there's gonna be a ton of Cap and Tony yeah. stuff in the next one. Yeah. I think Black Panther is maybe the one that won't get time in the next one. And I don't feel like there was much T'Challa stuff in this one either. It's so. true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many lines did Chris Evans even have? Like he, he had less than 10 spoken lines, didn't he? Something, Something. like that. It was, it was real yeah. short. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am Steve Rogers. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting. <laughs> yeah. And that was one I, of them. I did feel like, um, you know, they talked about the future of the Avengers and kind of how they were, they've been positioning for an Avengers team someday that'll be Black Panther and Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel and Ant-Man. And I remember always thinking like, oh, I, I don't know if that'll work. After seeing this, it, you know, if it's if that's the team plus Spider, I'm, I'm on board. I love Doctor Strange, but I like him a lot more after this movie. And, um, you know, like, there's just so many characters that really were enhanced to me in this film that said, oh, yeah, these guys can carry, you know, a franchise going forward. I thought that was interesting. Um, let's talk about let's talk about Thanos. So, I mean, this was the key. We said last week, if Thanos is bad, then the whole Marvel villain problem thing is going to pop its head again. People are going to say, oh, they, they screwed up the landing. Uh, I think from what I'm, I've heard from everybody, I think Thanos at least checked the box as far as who he needed to be for this movie. Oh. <laughs> he checked the hell out of yeah. that box. Um, it was a lot of it. Was, I mean, you know, a lot of it was the writing, obviously, but Josh Brolin's performance, um, because it, it's very hard to get invested into an all CGI character. Um, I'm. Unless they're Andy Serkis and you're in Planet of the Apes, that's really hard to do. Um, but they they earned those moments. Um, I was not expect. I mean, even though the Russos were saying that he would be like the main character, he would get the most screen time. I was still taken aback by um, how vulnerable he was in many of these scenes, especially in the middle of the movie. Um, like if if you're gonna have your bad guy cry, like you, that that has to like really hit, you know, or otherwise it's just like it looks like a very desperate attempt, and like they totally did. Um, so even if the whole you know the killing half the population thing is, if you feel iffy about that, it's it's really hard to deny that the uh, the performance itself, all the scene work, all the character work, like they, I think they accomplished what they wanted to with this character and not to mention like that uh, that final shot <laughs> of the movie um and then capping that with thanos will return which 
again, everyone groaned at in my screening. <laughs> um, that 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 did go to show like how much of an impact like this character had on the audience's um, viewing, like on their on their emotions throughout this movie. Um, so Josh Brolin, you you done good. <laughs> so they said that he would be kind of the protagonist of the movie, and I had kind of forgot that. Until the last shot was him with that little smile. And then, like you said, the Thanos will return thing. And I was like, this was his movie. Like, he was the main character. And, you know, earlier I asked, is this a movie? Does it hold together? To me, that's the only way this movie holds together. If you don't make Thanos and his quest the center of the movie, then it's four or five disparate things going in different directions. But if everything is... These characters are trying to develop a weapon that could kill Thanos. And these people are trying to understand the roots of who Thanos is. And these characters are dealing with the family drama of Thanos. And these guys are Mm -hmm. trying to stop the invasion of... Like, at that point, when you start to reframe it as the Avengers are the antagonists trying to stop the protagonist from getting his, his way, all of a sudden the movie makes a whole lot more sense. And it's brilliant. I think it's what they had to do to make the thing hold together. And, I, you know, I think it's fair. Superheroes are built somewhat on the premise of self-sacrifice, right? Like, we love Tony Stark because he said, it's better that I die than New York die with a nuclear bomb, right? Thanos isn't self-sacrifice, but he has a very similar logic. It is better for some people to die than for everybody to die. And, I mean, there's ethical issues there to, 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 to suss out. But I think to some degree, Thanos would look at Vision and Cap and say, you say you're not going to trade lives, but that's what all of us are doing. We're all trading lives. We're all picking who deserves to die and who doesn't. And I'm the only guy who's being fair about it. You're all caught up in who you love and who you care about and who's important and who's not important. You didn't care about all those Wakandans that died when you, you know, set out to stop me. I'm trying to say, let's save the whole deal and let's just be fair about it. Let's just do lottery. We're just going to roll the dice and half the folks die and half don't. And it's, it's, it's fair that way. It's equitable. And like, you can buy that. I, you know, like people are like, Oh, Killmonger is understandable. And I was like, no, he's not. But Thanos, like, I don't know. I kind of got what he was going at, you know, as far as trying to be equitable about those things. Um, my, my friend pointed, <laughs> I was thinking, uh, what if the whole plot was, um, oh yeah, Thanos is trying to get the six infinity stones. So when he snaps his fingers, um, the entire universe will have twice as many resources to sustain the population. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to, um, I, I don't want to ruminate too much about what, you know, average Joe, like, I don't, or like what my dad will think of this movie, um, because I don't think casual viewers who don't digest, you know, the news that we do, I don't think they will be, I don't think Thanos will be the one that they're tracking for the movie. So they will not, even after the end, they might not think of it as a Thanos movie. Um, which is why I'm really curious if this will be like a last Jedi, everyone's like on one side or the other kind of deal. But, um, uh, I don't know. We saw those box office returns this morning. I think they're okay for now. Yeah. 
Well, the bigger thing to me, I thought maybe it'd have a huge box office, but then like the, the audience scores would not be great. Like I was really like, uh, you know, when they do the a score, or cinema the cinema score, score yeah. or whatever, I was thinking that they might not do well, that there might be some casual fans who were like, Oh, what was that? But everything I'm seeing is it's getting stellar reviews across the board. So I'll let you know what my dad thinks though. <laughs> uh, See, that, that's the same thing. My dad had a huge issue with Civil War because it didn't end on a happy note. So I'm like, there is no way he's going to like Infinity War. But he enjoyed it, so I was surprised. All right. Uh, this movie's so big, we couldn't cover it all. Uh, we're going to have our longest podcast ever, which is fine. Um, let me let me end on this, and we'll wrap, and then you know we'll keep talking about this for time to come on the site and all kinds of places. Um, have you given any thought like, is this immediately the best Marvel movie ever in your mind? Or are you having trouble kind of thinking about how to rank it? What, what, how are you feeling about where it kind of sits? Because we do this immediately with these movies, right? It's like, where does this sit compared to the other ones? H- how are you feeling about that right now? I don't... I, I will not say it's the best one. Um, <laughs> because... Sorry, ice cream truck. Um... Man, I want some ice cream now. Anyway, so I feel like I, I I'm not buying the uh, the narrative that oh it was like a huge cliffhanger. This should have been called part one because like if you look at it as a Thanos movie, like he did the thing he needed to do by the beginning of the movie. Like that was a complete narrative. Um, that being said, you know it's still incomplete. Like we still have to know what happens to everyone else. Um, so. I still have uh, the Winter Soldier in my number one. I'm literally looking at my ranking right now uh, because that was just such like an airtight, near flawless movie in my opinion um, because I was talking earlier about how the Russo's, Marcus McFeely, like they have, they know how to do efficient storytelling and I thought Infinity War did a good job at it but I think Cap 2 does an amazing job at it. I will definitely put it above Whedon's Avengers films because I think I think this filmmaking team I think they get the other characters more than Whedon did in his movies, in my opinion. It's making its case for number one. Um, I'll admit that I always fall into the trap of the most recent one I watch. You know, I mean, oh, Ragnarok's the best, but no, I think Infinity War seriously pushing it. I, by no means, Infinity War probably won't crack my top ten most rewatchable movies. I don't think it it'll probably have that rewatchable factor. I could watch Guardians one day after day, probably you know, but it's just I've seen it three times now, and it, maybe I just exhausted myself from it. Um, but it, I mean, it's it's too much to process, you know, day after day after day. Um, as a movie, I. I mean, probably top three for sure. It is It is making my case. It's case for number one. I, I'll have to look at my rankings. I don't even remember those anymore. It's up there with uh, Winter Soldier and such. Uh, but for sure, it definitely... It's the best Avengers film so far. Is, uh, is watching Infinity War three times in a row, is that what James Cameron was talking about, Avengers fatigue? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. 
so I've been thinking about this movie, um, almost like a figure skating routine. Like I was watching the figure skating this, this winter and you know, like you can pick how difficult your routine is at the Olympics and then they grade you based on a maximum amount of points based on your routine. So you can do a harder routine and, and do it okay and actually do better than someone who flawlessly does an easier routine, right? Like the different kinds of jumps are different amounts of points. And I feel like what's really hard with evaluating this movie is it tried to do so much more than other movies tried to do. And even if it didn't execute it, it should get some, you know, like doing 80% of what this movie was trying to do should deserve as much credit as doing a hundred percent of what Ant-Man was trying to do. Right. You know, like there's just different, um, it's just a different level of difficulty. And I, I think about even, even winter soldier, I love winter soldier, but that was not half of ambitious as a movie as this is. Right. And so I think it was executed better than this one was, but that's because it's easier to execute a movie like winter soldier than this. And so it's really, I'm having a hard time ranking it. Cause I'm like, well, it's got a lot more flaws than something else, but that's because it opened itself up to so many potential flaws and it's still, this is going to sound ridiculous. People will mock me. I'm sure. I really think the Russos deserve some serious award nomination consideration as directors. This is impossible to do. This is a gigant. This is a movie with 35 main characters that still told a coherent, meaningful story with, um, you know, talk about Ragnarok. It had more thematic development than Ragnarok did, which is always my, you know, pickiness on that movie. Like, um, what they tried to do and what they have pulled off here, even if it's not perfect, it's so ambitious and it lands it so well, given what they're trying that I just, I think they deserve a ton of credit for what they've done. Um, and it's the kind of thing I, I mean, I, I only saw it once, so I do want to see it again. Like I'm just itching to be able to go back and pick it apart and try to see, I think it's probably very well, the architecture behind it sort of thematically and plot wise, I think is very intricate. And I think there's things that we'll find years from now are like, oh, it really makes sense that, you know, like this scene and this scene played off each other this way. I think we'll we'll see that for a long time to come. I so. didn't I didn't see it in IMAX, so that is my reason for wanting to rewatch. Um, having recently um, obtained a copy of Civil War with the airport battle in IMAX ratio um, and just seeing how good that looked like, man, this movie must be a visual treat in like full real IMAX. Yeah. At this point, IMAX 3D is how I always do these movies first time up. So I'm pretty, uh, I, I, that, that's how we saw it. And it was, it was awesome to all of our mailbag people. Thank you very much for sending us stuff, but this podcast is way too long. So, um, thanks for, uh, listening. We'll talk to about your mail next week. We'll get Rhiannon's take, uh, next week will be infinity war review part two, because, uh, it does really feel like we barely scratched the surface in the two hours that we talked. So, um, I think you should rename that yeah. to um, Untitled Podcast okay. Episode. Yes. Yeah, untitled take out the part. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> untitled Marvel News Desk 4. Uh, Chris, let's go ahead and do this real quick. Sure. Um, you have a new project that you've been working on with podcasts that we're going to 
post somehow with Marvel News Desk, yeah. and we haven't figured we'll, out all the details yeah, we'll because I'm out. behind. <laughs> but uh, share what uh, what you're doing and let let our listeners know what kind of is going on with that. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh... Uh, I, I mentioned Izzy earlier in this episode, so she and I have been working on a project where basically each episode, um, working title AP Marvel, because we are all academics, uh, <laughs> um, kind of talking about um, other aspects of the MCU film, so specifically um, politics, character development, story development, um, kind of just taking a break from all the other podcasts, which kind of... Um, are dependent on the news cycle. Um, so yeah, we actually already, um, uh, last Friday we recorded two episodes, the first one being about um, how the Winter Soldier kind of talks about surveillance and uh, civil liberties and whatnot, you know, what political party would Steve Rogers be in, etc. Uh, second one was about um, does, Hawk, does MCU Hawkeye need fixing, quote-unquote, um, so yeah, once we get the, uh, the hosting stuff figured out, we're also, um, trying to find someone to do a cool logo. I'm going to ask a friend of mine to see if we can get like a cool music little jingle. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be really cool if we had like a weekly, uh, you know, somewhere else on the schedule, like a weekly podcast, just kind of, you know, talking about these MCU topics that, um, might kind of get lost in the news cycle, you know, like I see some really good discussions on Reddit, um, but to kind of put that on a platform, um, I think will be a really great idea. So uh, we know we definitely want to get some guests in, you know, I, I think we have some uh, connections in the media journalism world. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I have an email for this. I think it's chris at marvelnewsdesk.com because I, would, I love getting... Uh, topic suggestions um and if you're listening and you're fam- or a famous person who wants to talk about a certain thing also hit me up um but yeah ap marvel is the working title for it um release to uh, to be determined when we figure out things are in so yeah look forward to that awesome all right that will, I think, do it for this week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You guys can interact with us lots of ways. Send us messages on Twitter via at Marvel News Desk. Uh, you can communicate with us on our SoundCloud or MarvelNewsDesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. Uh, that will get you access to a special MCU film ranking episode that we did uh, that's available only to the Patreon supporters, as well as early access to many of our videos like the Road to Infinity War Supercut. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvelnewsdesk or subscribe to our YouTube channel. To do that, go to watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Um, if you want to help the show be more visible, give us a five-star review on iTunes. Most important thing that you do for us every week, however, is uh, that you listen and you tell your friends about it. So thank you for that. And we want to thank Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thank you to Alvin for the theme music. He's on a variety of social media platforms as at the Skull School. I think that'll do it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>